This morning, I'd like to talk to you just for a few moments that we have together. It's a sermon that we've heard through the years and presented in different ways and various forms and fashions and illustrations. But you know, we all have an inheritance. I say those who are God's children, those who live faithful and are obedient to his word, we're promised that inheritance. It's just like here upon the earth when our mother and fathers and grandfathers and things pass away, they often leave an inheritance. And it's often appointed to this goes this person and this goes this person is divided equally and as we know most of the time or a lot of the times not every time there is a lot of squabble sometimes because of that uh, inheritance and who got what and who got how much and all those things and we say worldly things often And really that's sad that when those things happen. But we have an inheritance from God. We have a a deal, if you will. God says, this is the qualifications. This is, when we think of a deal, we think about there's things laid out. And God says, this is what... I've laid out for you, and this is how you obtain this inheritance through salvation, hearing the word, repenting, confessing, being baptized for the remission of your sins, and you are in the ones to be mentioned or the ones to gain from the inheritance that is left from our Father, or our Lord has went and built, John 14. But you know, I asked the question this morning in the most serious way, what would you give in exchange for that inheritance? I guess furthermore, to ask the question this morning, do you have an inheritance? Not an earthly inheritance, but a heavenly, eternal inheritance. You see, one this morning that is not named Christ as their Savior who has not been baptized for the remission of their sins and added to his body, the church, does not have an inheritance. He does not have that promise. He or she does not have that promise of the inheritance of heaven. But rather, he or she has the assurance of condemnation. Living in the Hades, the the fires of Hades and hell for all, continuing forever and ever in eternity. What would you give in exchange for your inheritance? In 1989, the Minnesota Vikings traded five players for their current roster, from their current roster, 
and six future picks in the NFL draft to the Dallas Cowboys for one man, for one running back, and his name was Herschel Walker. They thought that Walker was the missing piece for their Super Bowl run. But they were sadly mistaken. Not only did Herschel Walker play poorly during his time in the Minnesota administration, but the Cowboys were, the Dallas Cowboys were able to draft some key players that launched them to a three Super Bowl championship in the 90s run. You see, the point here is the Vikings gave up a whole lot for almost nothing in return. You see, this problem of making bad deals did not begin with the Vikings in the 1990s, the early, or late 80s and early 1990s. But they've been present throughout the history of mankind. And we find many examples in the Bible where men have made bad deals and gave up a whole lot with really nothing in return. And they gave up these things, a lot of things, that would only temporarily satisfy them. Now I want you to think this morning about your life and, and even as I think about my own. Temporary satisfaction, it really defines itself, doesn't it? Temporarily, meaning only for a short time, do we enjoy the pleasures sometimes of a bad deal, of making a bad decision. And many of us through our lives, most certainly, if given the chance, could probably share this morning with times in your life that, man, I made a bad decision. Man, that was a bad deal. It might have been because of the buying of an automobile. It might have been a buying a piece of property or uh, selling this or selling that or whatever the case may be, and you didn't come out on the good end of the stick, as we often say. Boy, if I'd only waited. You know, I often think about, boy, if I'd only bought stock in Walmart when it first opened up. We often think that way, don't we? And we see the bad deals or the bad decisions that we have made and that other people have made. Now I can tell you on the onset of this lesson this morning that if you have not became a Christian and you continue to refuse to become a Christian, you're making a bad deal. This morning, again, I want you to turn in your Bibles with me to the book of Genesis. In the book of Genesis, in chapter 25, I want us to read there together this morning. 
In Genesis chapter 25, in verses 27 through 34. Now, I give you a little background. Esau here has made a foolish exchange. He's the grandson of of, of Abraham. His father was Isaac. He was oldest of the two brothers. And he sold his birthright blessing. But starting in verse 27, it says, And the boys grew, and Esau was a cunning hunter, a man of the field, and Jacob was a plain man, dwelling in tents. And Isaac loved Esau because he did eat of his venison. But Rebekah loved Jacob. And Jacob saw pottage, and Esau came from the field, and he was faint. And Esau said to Jacob, Feed me, I pray thee, with that same red pottage, for I am faint. Therefore was his name called Edom. And Jacob said, Sell me this day thy birthright. And Esau said, Behold, I am the point at the point to die, and what profit profit shall this birthright do to me? And Jacob said, Swear to me this day. And he sware unto him and sold his birthright unto Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and pottage of lentils, and he did eat and drink and rose up and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. You see, Esau again was the oldest son of Isaac and Rebekah. And that meant in this time the... the the uh, things that normally how it went uh, as far as inheritances and things, that he was entitled to the birthright blessings, the oldest, the eldest child. And he was set to receive a double portion of his father's inheritance left by his rich father. But unfortunately, he would sell his birthright for a pot of stew. Something that had great value to him. Something that was intended to be his and his only. And he found himself in a weakened condition physically, and I guess we could say mentally. And he sold that most valued, treasured possession that was his. One might say this morning, what what was he thinking? One might say, well, that must have been some good stew. Did he later regret his decision? We're going to find out just in a moment. But thinking about that thought in your own life, in decisions that you've made and that you've made a trade-off, well, I will, I'll trade this for this. I'll trade the purity of my body, young people, to engage into sexual immorality. I will trade the meaning of, of, of who what a Christian is 
just so I can for a temporary moment enjoy the effects of drugs and alcohol. Or I will trade my, my name as a Christian or my, the, the good name of my family to, to enjoy sin just for a moment. To be popular. To be whatever society values the most. What are we selling this morning? And what are we giving in exchange for our soul? Is it so that we can have the most likes on a social media, whatever the platform may be? Are we engaging ourselves in, 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 in things on social media or even in the world or at the workplace so that we can have the most likes or be the most likable person? What are we exchanging ourselves for? You see, we find ourselves in weakened conditions, mentally and physically and spiritually, and we engage ourselves in things that we are selling our souls for. Are we selling our Christianity for more money in the workplace? Is one saying, well, I, I, I'm, I'm going to work all these extra hours and I'm not going to attend services or I'm not going to be a part of the church, but I, I'll go whatever. But anyway, I, I'm going to make more money. Are we exchanging it for more money in our lives? Are we exchanging it for a moment of pleasure? You see, that's the question this morning. What are you exchanging for the inheritance that is yours? God is ready to give you an inheritance this morning if you're not a Christian. He has given it to those of us, but for us to obtain it and to, to uh, enjoy it one day, we have to be obedient to His will. But notice here that at Esau, just in that moment of weakness sold a valuable thing, his birthright, to his youngest brother, or younger brother. When you go back into the New Testament in the book of Hebrews, we find the answer to that question. Did he later regret... Hebrews chapter 12 and verses 15 through 17. Did he later regret? Think about in your life the decisions that you've made. Did you later regret them? Says, oh man, I wish I hadn't done that. It has cost me a lot of friends. It's cost me a lot of money. It's cost me a lot of whatever. And you regretted it. We're going to find out about Esau. Starting in verse 15 of Hebrews chapter 12, the Bible says, the Hebrew writer wrote, looking diligently or carefully, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. Lest there be any fornicator or profane person, as who? Esau who for one morsel or a mess of meat sold his birthright. 
For you know how that afterward, later on, when he would have inherited the blessing, he was rejected. For he found no place of repentance or a change of mind in his father, though he saw it carefully, what? With tears. He realized later on that he had made a bad deal. He made a bad decision. What if it had went the other way? No, I'm going to hold on to what's mine. I'm going to do what it takes for me to continue on through this weak moment. I'm going to hold on to what's mine. I'm not going to trade that or I'm not going to sell that to you, devil. I'm not going to sell my soul to you for one moment of pleasure. So many times we find ourselves in that position. For just a moment of pleasure, just a moment of popularity, just a moment of, of, uh, of things that feel good. And that's our society. We live in a society that it says that if it feels good and it makes you popular, do it. You see, that's totally contrary to what God says. He says abstain from those lustful desires, that fleshly lust. He says stay away from those. He says that evil companionships corrupt good morals. He says stay away from those. Don't, don't allow yourself to be tempted with those. And one again says, what was Esau thinking? You might even ask yourself at some point, what was I thinking when I made that decision? And sure, we're going to make mistakes. But we have to think them through. It says that he carefully sought that with tears. How many times in your life in tears have you said, man, I wish I hadn't have done that. I know I can speak for myself personally. You see, Esau, just like we do many times, he paid too much for temporary satisfaction. And you see, we have to have the mindset that all the things down here in this world are only temporarily. They're only temporary. They're only here for the, the time that the world will stand. All the friends, all the trips, all the whatever is just temporary. All the houses, automobiles, all the gadgets that we have, all the things that we have in our lives are just temporary. You see, Christians have an extraordinary inheritance waiting for them in heaven. This inheritance is glorious and is everlasting. When you go to the book of Matthew in chapter 5, we read concerning that thought. Matthew chapter 5 in verses 11 and 12, our Lord says this, Blessed are ye when men shall revile or approach you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. 
Rejoice and be exceeding, exceeding glad, for great is your reward here on earth. No, that's not what it says, is it? Great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. You see, our rewards are in heaven. Our inheritance will be in heaven one day. And this morning we ask the question, are we doing what it takes to gain that inheritance? and to obtain it and to retain it? Or have we obtained it, and if we have, are we retaining it? Are we holding on to what is ours? Peter wrote in 1 Peter chapter 1, and in verses 3 through 5, says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively or living hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Watch it right here. To an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that fadeth not away reserved where? In heaven for you. Who are kept or guarded by the power of God through faith unto salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Our God has given us an inheritance. But that inheritance only comes by His ways. There are conditions to receiving that inheritance. This morning, the case of Esau made a bad decision. This morning we ask the question, what would you exchange for your inheritance? This morning, what is the price of your inheritance? What are, what they always say a man, when they're selling something, a man says, every man's got a price. He may not be wanting to sell something or whatever, they say, every man has a price. And if a man wants something so much, he'll throw out, continue to throw out money and money and money and say to a man, he'll say, yes, I'll take it. But what's the price of your inheritance this morning? Would you exchange it for worldly riches? When you go back to the book of Matthew, you see some examples of where men gave it up. In the book of Matthew in chapter 26, in verses 14 through 16, we see a man who exchanged his soul for worldly riches. And that man's name is Judas. One of the twelve called Judas Iscariot went into the chief priest and said unto them, What will you give me? And I will deliver him unto you. He should have been a say, he should have said, What will you give me in exchange for my soul? Because that's what he was doing. But they were asking him for him to deliver Jesus. And they coveted uh, uh, with him and, and, and weighed unto him 30 pieces of silver. And from that time, he sought opportunity to betray our Lord. Judas 
portrayed, exchanged his inheritance for worldly riches. The rich young ruler in Demas, in Mark chapter 10 and verse 17 through 22, he spoke with the rich young ruler and, and, and talked about what will you give and what he had to give up and, and all these things. And he, and, and, and he went away in a bad condition, didn't he? He gave up his soul. In 2 Timothy 4 and verse 10, Paul writes to the young Timothy and says there, that Demas has forsaken me for things of the world. There's example after example of people who have given and exchanged their soul for things of the world. This morning, the time we have remaining... Would you exchange this inheritance? You personally, many men have. Would you exchange it for an immoral relationship? And what I'm speaking of this morning is Matthew 19 in verses 1 through 9. When our Lord, and he's being followed by the great multitudes and the Pharisees coming to him, tempting him, And he answered them in verse 4 of Matthew 19. Have you not read that he which made them at the beginning made them male and female? And he said, And for this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, shall cleave to his wife, and they twain shall be one flesh. Wherefore there are no more twain but one flesh. What therefore God hath joined together, let no man put asunder. They say unto him, Why did Moses then command to give a writing of divorcement and put her away? And he says unto him, Moses, because of the hardness of your heart, suffered you to be put away, to put away your lie or your wives. But from the beginning it was not so. In verse 9, I say unto you that whosoever shall put away his wife, except it be for fornication, and shall marry another, committeth adultery. And whoso marrieth her which is put away doth commit adultery. Would you exchange this morning or in, in, in this, your life now, would you exchange your soul or your relationship for an immoral relationship? You see, the Bible has a lot to say about that because he knew that man would be tempted. He talks about it in Hebrews 13 and 4 and 1 Corinthians 6 and 9 through 11. Many men and women have put themselves in positions to be tempted sexually when knowing well good they are married. And God expected us to be together for the remainder of our lives. They always think, oh, I'm tired of her or I'm tired of him. And the grass much, must be much, much greener on the other side. And you know what? They live to regret that decision. Probably in tears. I wish I never had made that decision. We need to protect ourselves from those things. 
You know, those relationships and those situations only bring temporary satisfaction for you in the moment. But I can guarantee you this, men and women, it will bring nothing but pain and sorrow in eternity. Unless those things are repented of. Mark 9 and 42 through 48. This morning, would you exchange your inheritance for your pride and unwillingness to submit fully to the will of God? You see, what I mean by that is one who knows the truth, one who, who knows what he or she must do to, to become a Christian and to put Christ on in baptism one who would, would, would say, Lord, I'm surrendering to you today. You go to the book of Luke in chapter 18 and verse 14. And you think about it for your pride and unwillingness to submit fully to the will of God. Luke 18 and 14 reads, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other, for everyone that exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. We see the situation of the Pharisee and the publican, don't we? One who was, oh, look at me and my praying, and another who would even lift his eyes up to heaven. You see, pride gets in the way of many people in submitting to God. That's I'm too. I can't give up the life I'm living, to live a Christian life. Solomon talks about the folly of pride in Proverbs 16 and 18. It usually destroys, doesn't it? It destroys one. We need to understand this morning there is no price tag that you can put on your inheritance in heaven. Are you this morning selling your inheritance for pleasures of this world. If you are, you're missing out. If you're not a Christian this morning, you're missing the inheritance. I can promise you, not me, the Bible says, there's an inheritance for you. Those of you who are not Christians, those of you who are not uh, baptized for the mission of your sins, you have no hope beyond this life. I've had people say before, well, I'll just take my chances. Oh, how, how dangerous that is. This morning, if you need to become a Christian, we encourage you to do that. Gain that inheritance this morning. Live faithful to obtain it and retain it. Obtain it this morning through baptism and live faithful to retain it. But maybe there are those here who need to repent this morning who have said and done things, lived in such a way that you know is not right. You need to come home. You need to say, Lord, I need to come back to you. I need to repent and I need to change my ways and be more faithful. Only the faithful will go to heaven. Be thou faithful unto death and thou shalt receive the crown of righteousness, a crown of life. This morning, whatever your need may be, please come. Together we stand as we sing.